Hey, Travis Rogers here. When you're not listening to me on the Lakers pre- and post-game shows, tune in to The Experience with Laferne Cusack, where she goes beyond the play and focuses on athletes, fans, and the biggest events that inspire and shape our community. Listen to The Experience with Laferne Cusack, Sundays, 5 to 6 a.m. ESPN LA 710. Welcome to The Experience here on ESPN LA 710. I'm Laferne Cusack. For more information, please log on to ESPNLA.com, where you can download this show or other podcasts. The show is also available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are talking about our children today, how we can get them ready for the school year. Now, it's important for parents and caregivers to remember that getting kids ready for the first day of class involves more than just getting them a few notebooks or shoes or backpacks. It's also a time to make sure that they are good to go when it comes to health matters. And here to talk all about it is Dr. Desmond Liu. He's a pediatrician with Monarch Healthcare in Irvine. Welcome, Dr. Liu. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit about your background, Dr. Liu. Well, I've uh, been a pediatrician uh, here in Orange County, uh, California, for over 25 years. And uh, uh, currently, I'm a medical director at Monarch Healthcare, uh, and I oversee our government programs. And what is the government program detail? Uh, the government programs uh, are patients who belong to Medi-Cal or um, Medicare Medi-Cal uh, programs. What does that mean for kids, for Medicare? Medi-Cal or Medi-Cal, you said Medi-Cal or Medicaid? Um, Medicare. Medicare. So Medi-Cal is is the Medicaid program here in California. Uh, So these are typically uh, uh, lower income families. Um, They could be the the working poor or uh, families who um, uh, just need a little extra help in terms of um, uh, finances. So they qualify financially and they get uh, their health insurance through the state. Oh. And it's called Medi-Cal. Okay, okay. And just to clear, some some people talk about M- Medicare and Medi-Cal. It doesn't change what type of service you have. It's still quality service. Yes, yeah, yeah. Monarch Healthcare, um, we see uh, uh, patients with uh, uh, different types of insurance. We have commercial insurance. We have Medicare Advantage uh, patients. Uh, we have patients with Medi-Cal. Or Medicaid in other states, um, and what we call the dual population, which is a Medicare Medi-Cal uh, dual insurance, and so we see them all. Oh, great! And why did you choose to become a pediatrician? Well, I think uh, when I was a kid growing up, I had a really good uh, physician. Uh, she took really good care of our family. And when I grew up and went to college and medical school, uh, we did different rotations through different specialties. And and when I did my pediatrics rotation, I, I really enjoyed working with uh, the other pediatricians and, and kids. And, and, and kids are fun. I mean, they're just uh, so much more fun than working with adults. <laughs> so I think, I think it was just more of like the environment that I enjoyed. Yeah. <laughs> but I can also see it kind of being difficult if you have a lot of difficult situations with kids as well. How do you handle that? Well, yeah, with uh, with kids, in terms of like their illnesses, um, you know, it's, it's really heartbreaking if uh, a young child has a very serious illness like uh, uh, leukemia or, or cancers. I mean, those, those are um, very heartbreaking. And uh, but you know, 
we're, we're trained. Um, the pediatricians are well trained to to talk to the family and, and help support them in any way that we can. Yeah, I I can see that. What are some things that kids do that you wish adults would do when they come into your office? Well, you know, with, with kids, um, they don't know how to explain their problems, right? They uh, when they're really young, um, obviously they they can't tell you I have a headache or I have. They just say I hurt or they cry and um, but. Um, yeah, I would definitely uh, wish they can explain things a little bit more. But um, I get most of my history in uh, from the from the, from my parents and uh, and my physical exam uh, to assess the child. So yeah. it's um, it's more challenging, definitely. Yeah, I can see that that's challenging. But like for adults, I know that a lot of people go to the Google for <laughs> their health and then they come in and tell you what's wrong with them. I can see right. it, like with kids, it's, you know, it, it may be a bit easier because they're not, you know, diagnosing themselves. Right. And, and I get that um, uh, more and more and more now. Um, uh, when I first started practicing, you know, the Internet was not uh, that, that big of a deal. But nowadays, uh, parents, they, they search online and then they, they come in and say, well, I don't think I should do take this medicine or, or take this shot because of whatever they read on the Internet. Yeah. And and, uh, you know, I think an educated um, population is, is a good one. Um, but I want them to have that that conversation to bring that information in and to talk to their doctor Absolutely. and to to just discuss um, and be educated um, because there's a lot of good information on the internet, but there's also a lot of bad information, mm-hmm. and uh, the the layperson will probably have some trouble kind of distinguishing between what's um, real uh, research and what's kind of opinion and you know. Uh, just, you know, false information. Right. And I've seen a lot of false information put out there. And that's unfortunate. I know. There are a lot of, of, a lot of false information. I subscribe to the health section, you know, for, you know, alerts and stuff. And then I had to unsubscribe because every week it's like, if you drink coffee, it's great for you. And then a month later, if you drink this amount of coffee, then it's not good for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's very confusing. And, and, and that's why I always encourage patients, um, uh, pediatrics and adults, to, to take that information to their, um, their healthcare provider and to go over that information with them. Because um, it's... Again, it's just hard to sort out, and you don't want to get confused. And and um, you know, it could be you don't know who's writing this information out there. It could be, you know, someone who really doesn't have much education um, or background, and um, it could be an engineer writing some health issue, right? Exactly. Or an accountant writing an article. <laughs> um, you don't know, right? Investigate, right? So, Doctor Lou, how have you seen your Healthcare for as a pediatrician change over the years, or have you seen it change? Well, you know, when when I was first practicing, one of the things that I I, I noticed that um, there were some kids that were um, overweight, not, not that many, you know, maybe ten or twenty percent of my patient population was overweight. But over the years, um, uh, into you know, maybe recently, I would say uh, it, it, that percentage went up to maybe 30, 40% of my pop- population was overweight. Wow. 
Yeah, it's just, it's a real problem, and I, 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 I don't want to blame one particular thing. I mean, there's so many things that can cause um, obesity in kids, um, but you know, their diet for sure. You know, um, getting access to fast foods um, is a real problem, and um, but lack of exercise. That's a huge problem because kids, you know, you go you you go into um, uh, into a restaurant nowadays. What are what are people doing? They're staring at their phone or playing on a video game, right? One of those little handheld video games, right? Like a Game Boy or right. whatever the latest and greatest toy. So I I don't think kids are as active as they were when when I was growing up. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, I I would just get on my bike and you know ride around the neighborhood and get in all sorts of trouble and right. um, you know and but nowadays you know kids kids don't do that. I know. You know it's um it's just you know they interact through social media. They they don't really have real friends. They just kind of you know post things online and and, uh, and just stare at their like, their Game Boy. Right, right, and that's why it's like get out. Get active. I know is when I was growing up as well. It was like my mom would be like, "Lafern, get out the house, go run or something," you know. And it's like, <laughs> okay, yeah, you were always out, and then you're back before the streetlights came on. But exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. I. But it was- then you know, I mean, th- yeah, maybe uh, neighborhoods were safer back then. We can do that sort of thing. Uh, uh, parents are a little more careful in our days, I guess, too, and more protective. Right, so. but it's a problem, and I think California is one of the top obesity rate in the country. Is- yeah, that's a that's a surprise. I I, I thought Texas was uh, on top of the list, but yeah, th- that may be true now. I mean, we may be uh, catching up yeah. <laughs> and surpass them. Yeah, it's it's a shame, but well, we get out and get active and get healthy. And I know that Dr. Lou, you're going to tell us about all the great things that we can do for our children to get great health checkups and doctor visits before. We go back to school, which is coming up August 9th and August 16th. I know my, my son's going back the 16th, and I'm just like, oh, right, I got to get him in, oh. get, a, get checkups. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, this is this is a perfect time. And actually, I, I try to encourage um, our patients uh, uh, to uh, to. Mm-hmm. To get in their physicals early on, early in the summer, right when summer starts, I mean, around June, and uh, only because there's such a rush for getting physical exams or, or, or pre, um, pre-sports physicals uh, uh, before they start school, mm-hmm. um, right, you know, usually around August, September, there's a rush, and then... And, um, parents you know, get a little frustrated because the, uh, they're unable to book um, an appointment. So I encourage parents, you know, try to get in early, you know, in the summer. You know, uh, most most families are out on vacation, and and uh, so so we have uh, more slots available to do these physicals. Right, and that's a new thing for me. My son is going into kindergarten, so. I really wasn't aware, so I'm glad you're here to talk about that. Ne- next year, I'll be on top of it, you know? <laughs> okay. So kindergarten, that's the great age. Is he four or five years old? He's five. Five years old. Okay. So, yeah, so that, that's a that's a great time to um, to go in and, and make sure that uh, he has all his vaccinations before, before school. Um, uh, some kids uh, kind of fall behind, you know, be, the first couple of years, they get a lot of shots, if you remember, right? They, yes. they, they're probably going in every couple of months. And then there's a bit of a lag between uh, uh, three to five years of age. And um, and that's that's a, a good time to kind of catch up. So 
um, yeah, there's, there's uh, vaccinations that you want to make sure they get. Um, there's a tetanus vaccine, there's a pertussis vaccine, polio, measles. Um, and make sure that they, they got their uh, chickenpox vaccine, too. So that's, that's really important. But isn't the chickenpox vaccine, don't they, well, do they have to give it more than once? Because I, I think he got it when he was first born. Right, right. Um, no, he probably got it about a year of age. Oh. So um, if he didn't get it, um, you know, and that's that's why I, I, I encourage you to go in for that visit to make sure that uh, uh, he got his, his yeah. shot at that time. Why are flu shots so important? Well, so the flu season is, is uh, usually the fall and winter time. And so typically we have the, the flu vaccine available around September, October. And you want to get vaccinated early on so your body has uh, that chance to build up the immunity and, um, and be ready for it when they're exposed to the virus. Uh, last last season, it was a pretty bad flu season, and there was a um, couple of factors. Um, and part of it, part of that was that there was a low vaccine rate. Um, I think there was some um, news articles out there that uh, that um, that implied that the vaccine was not as effective. So um, a lot of uh, um, patients decided to just forego the vaccine. But um, but I you know I was talking to one of the emergency room physicians uh, in our area, and she said they were so impacted uh, in the emergency room with uh, with patients with the flu symptoms. Mm-hmm. And if you want to avoid go- you know going into the ER and waiting you know three four or five hours just sitting in a waiting room surrounded with other people <laughs> with uh, germs, uh, you know I, I really encourage getting that flu shot. Yes. And also, just to note, all 50 states require school-age kids to be immunized um, against measles, mumps, rubella, pertessa, and chickenpox. Now, pertessa is, is that the whooping cough? <laughs> yes, that's, okay. it's called the whooping cough because um, uh, kids uh, would would have this uh a series of coughs. They would cough, 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 and then they would take a deep breath, and it sounds like a whooping sound, like a whoo. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's that whooping sound, and um, it's um, it's pretty dangerous for kids and uh, little kids to get it. Um, and uh, every year we hear, uh, you know, a, a few cases of kids that um, that die of whooping cough because they cough so hard that uh, and they can't catch their breath, so they stop breathing. Mm. <laughs> And typically, it's the kids that are under two months of age that that die because um because they haven't had a chance to get vaccinated. Oh, I see. So, what did you? What would you do if a child came in with the whooping cough? Well, if it's a if it's a young child with those symptoms, I usually send them to the hospital oh. only because it's just a, such a high risk of them developing this symptom called apnea, which is when they stop breathing. You know. It, and again, it really depends on their their particular symptoms and their age. Mm-hmm. So older kids, you know, they would be, you know, it would be a bad cough and it would last for weeks. Um, adults um, also a bad cough, but uh, uh, but we can avoid this. I mean, there are, you know, we have great vaccines mm-hmm. um, that that can uh, prevent this. Um, occasionally, I do get parents come in and say, "Well, I don't want to, you know, I don't believe in vaccines and." I think it's going to cause problems and that sort of thing. Um, and 
And, you know, we have that conversation and we, we talk about the, the pros and cons about that. But, um, you know, it's not just about protecting your own child, mm-hmm. but you're also protecting other children. Because if you become a carrier of that germ, you can pass it on to uh, to other ki- other kids or other people. Right. And then the uh, the other kids that your child may be around will get it and there'll be an epidemic in the school and then nobody's going to school. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, there was a big push, um, you know, a few years ago to to uh, to vaccinate uh, grandparents. You know, um, we tell, you know, and, and parents to to get uh, a booster shot, you know, on the pertussis because, you uh, you know, over time, you you lose that immunity, you know, from the shots when you got years ago. And um, uh, so you can still catch it and become a carrier and pass it on to your child or, or grandchild. Yes, yes, absolutely. That's very interesting. So yeah. have you seen, like, diseases that a lot of people didn't have come forth again, like the measles and mumps? Yeah, every once in a while, yeah, I do see some cases come up, um, and and that's that's you know, partially because you know uh, this uh, again, it's the internet. I would say you know publishing out uh, you know misinformation about vaccines, so so some um, some people decide not to uh, vaccinate. But also, you know, we live in California, and there's a lot of immigration that goes on. People from all over the world come to California, and uh, they may or may not be adequately vaccinated. So these people are, are carriers of, of the, um, of the virus or the bacteria and they pass it on to, uh, to, um, other people when they interact. And a lot of these diseases, um, are spread by, you know, like coughing or sneezing. And, you know, if you go out and, you know, in public and you're in school, you're, you're going to get exposed. Yes, absolutely. So important hearing and vision tests are often done by the schools, but sometimes more is needed. Can you talk about what goes into hearing and vision tests? Right. So when we um, when we have our monarch patients come in for their uh, general physical exam, uh, we we go over their growth, their um, their development, but we also check their vision and hearing because that's really important, especially when they start school. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to make sure that they can see properly, they can hear properly, and and it's kind of a good opportunity to see. Hey, is this does this patient have like a problem with vision? Are, are they are they not seeing clearly? Are they are they getting letters backwards? You know, mm-hmm. dyslexia is, is one of the things that we we also you know, uh, screen for when we when we talk to the patient. Yeah. And, and as they get older, you know, when they get into, you know, the grade school years, um, we monitor the development. So um, we make sure that their speech is uh, uh, developing properly and they reading at grade level. So this, this, this is a perfect opportunity to, to get that uh, screened and then maybe uh, make referrals to specialists and, and to the school district uh, to make sure that the kid gets the, the extra help that they need. And if the tests don't come back positive, how can that affect a child that may be playing sports? Well, yeah, certainly if you have a poor vision, um, you know, you're gonna you're gonna have problems with playing sports. Uh, hand-eye coordination can be a problem. Uh, if you have um, hearing problems or ear problems, uh, you can have balance issues. So. 
So these are all, you know, factors that, that can come into play with uh, the sport. Um, uh, they could be um, called clumsy or, you know, and then that may not be the, the issue. It could be a vision or balance problem. Mm. So that, that's, that's where the uh, uh, pediatrician and, and family doctor can help screen for these uh, issues. Do you know that disease that uh, it's a vision disease where your sight uh, starts going out, but you can't see? Like you can only see in front of you and you can't see. A peripheral vision? Yes. Like a problem with peripheral vision? Yes. That's, that's pretty right. rare. I mean, and, and those, that can be screened at the physician's office also. Um, uh, it, it's a pretty simple test. Um, you just have to ask your doctor to, to, um, to screen for that. Because in, um, in the pediatrician's office, they usually do a visual acuity test. Um, uh, they have them stand um, uh, from a, uh, a chart, you know, with a that big letter E in the middle, and mm-hmm. um, and then and count off the letters. But that's more your central vision. But if you're concerned about that with uh, with peripheral vision, mm-hmm. um, you'd have to ask your your physician to to screen for that. So, with a child that is playing sports, what type of protection do we need for the eyes of of our kids going out and playing sports? Well, I guess it really depends on the sport. Um, uh, there are, um, high, you know, high impact sports that, that might injure the eye. Um, I, I don't see them that often uh, used yet, um, only because um, maybe it's not popular to wear or they're uncomfortable to wear. Um, but uh, yeah, there are uh, like eyeglass type goggles where you can wear if, if you play like sports like racquetball. These are high impact, um, high velocity sports that you know, if the ball impacts the eye, you can cause problems. Um, you can uh, damage the eye with, with, with those, uh, with those balls. So yeah, uh, certainly, uh, uh, if you're going to be playing those high velocity sports, um, go to your sports stores and, and look for those, uh, eyeglasses, uh, uh, those polycarbonate, I guess they're, they're unbreakable or, mm-hmm. or impact resistant, uh, glasses. And with, the hearing, what happens if your child con- constantly gets ear infections and how can we protect the child from hearing loss in that aspect? Yeah, so with, with uh, ear infections, with lots of ear infections, you can uh, cause problems with uh, the eardrum getting scarred over. And if the eardrum is scarred over, then you're going to have some decrease in hearing. So um, if your child gets uh, ear infections, uh, make sure that you see your pediatrician. Uh, they take a good look inside that there isn't any rupture of the eardrum or if there's any uh, pus behind the eardrum. Uh, they may need antibiotics to, to treat that. Um, or if they have chronic drainage of the eardrum, um, I've seen that happen where they have a kind of this chronic uh, ear infection and, and it actually causes a, a hole in the eardrum. And um, mm. pus just constantly drains out. Oh. In those situations, I usually refer them to a an ear, nose, and throat specialist to to manage. Oh yeah, I see that. So speaking of medication, why is it a good idea to have a child's medication in two labeled pharmacy bottles? Oh yeah. So if if your child, let's say, is uh, prescribed uh, um, medications to to take uh, at uh, maybe three times a day, it's difficult. It's difficult to get that all taken care of at home. So usually I tell the parents, when you take this prescription to the pharmacy, 
asked for for uh, um, asked for it to be split into two bottles because the school will need a um, a separate labeled bottle identifying the n- patient's name, uh, the dosage, oh. and the time that the, the medication needs to be given. So that's that's really important. Most schools aren't going to accept you know if you just pour it out in a little put in a little plastic baggie and hand it over. Here's a note to you, little Johnny this at noontime every day. They're not going to take that. Right. <laughs> about that. That was very smart. So you have to properly tell the school staff what, you know, the specific instructions are for the child and the medication. Right. And sometimes the, the schools are, um, need a, uh, a doctor's note, too. Um, in, in addition to the prescription bottle. It depends on the school district. Mm-hmm. Uh, some are a little more strict than others. I see. Now, do you deal a lot with school districts or, you know, school staff? Well, not directly, but I, I do fill out forms um, to, uh, you know, to allow them to take certain medications. And I, I write out a schedule for them. And, and oftentimes the medications are, are held at the school nurse's office or uh, and and they're locked up. So, and the kid has to go in at a certain time, say at noon time, for example, to go in for their dose. Mm-hmm. So um, occasionally, and it's rare, you know, if a child is having problems, then the school nurse might give me a call. You know, if there's a problem with side effects of medication, um, we discuss, you know, how to manage those issues. What about allergies? Now, you you talked about drainage, uh, ear, ear, nose, and throat doctor, but sometimes, like my son, he... They said he he may have allergies where the mucus drains in his throat and he coughs. I don't know. How do you know if it's a cold or if it's just allergies? Yeah, so allergies um, uh, are a little bit different from like a, a, a virus. So typically a virus symptoms will last anywhere from a week to two weeks. Um, so you'll have some runny nose, you know, cough and cold symptoms, maybe uh, a fever. Allergies, you typically don't have a fever, um, and it could be seasonal, um, and it would last like a, an entire season. Say, um, say your child is allergic to the grass in the in the school, you know, around the school. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and since we live in California, we you know we pretty much have green all year round, right? And we have something flowering or, yeah. or dropping seeds. <laughs> something happening um, all year round. So, um, so you're going to see these kind of Runny nose, coughing symptoms all year round. Um, it's going to cause some sort of irritation. And the, the only way to really tell is to have your doctor go in and examine your child. L- look at the uh, the eyes. Look at the conjunctiva. Look inside the nasal passages because uh, it's a very distinctive uh, look um, uh, compared to a, a cold virus. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it, it looks different. Um, uh, um, what I usually see typically is like if it's a, a cold virus, um, it's very red and inflamed inside the nose. And in the um, in kids with allergies, it kind of has a bluish tinge to it, and the, the mucus is very thin. Oh, uh, I see, I see. Because I thought that doctor was like, I'm like, my son doesn't have allergies. <laughs> he has a cold. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think allergies in um, it's pretty common here in in California. It's just it's just because of you know we have great weather. We have we have plants growing all year round. You know, we don't get that respite in the winter. 
um, where where everything dies off and 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 the air cleans up. What would you do for a child that you don't know what type of allergies they have? Like maybe they have they have a rash or and and I'm saying this because um, a young lady was she was getting me hip on these all natural products, <laughs> but mm. some of the products used on another young lady it made her break out so but if it's all natural and it's not made with any dyes or chemicals you know it's like well what do you take you don't know what is causing this outbreak or an allergic reaction right right and you know things that are all natural um doesn't necessarily mean that it's good for you right um I'll give you an example, like uh, stinging nettles. That's a plant. That's a natural plant. <laughs> I'm not going to grab a, a bunch of stinging nettles. Um, I'm going to I'm going to develop a rash. <laughs> so you don't want to um, automatically assume that just because somebody says, "Oh, this is an all natural. These are made from herbs. Um, uh, it, it 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 can't harm you." Mm-hmm. Y- your body uh, may decide, like, I don't like them. Um, you know, I don't like this particular protein on this on this natural herbal remedy and, and develop an allergic reaction. Oh, I see. So when you think about it, um, grass is natural, right? Yeah. You know, grass and pollen is natural and we're allergic to it. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I don't, um, uh, so I, I, yeah, I, I think, you know, be a, be an informed consumer, make sure that, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if the product is good, if it works for you, great. Um, but yeah, sometimes you can develop uh, an allergic reaction to something that sounds all natural and chemical free, et cetera, et cetera. So um, what would you do for a child that may be allergic to, I don't I'm whatever, you know, like, well, you know, again, it really depends on the symptoms. And um, usually I try, try to target the symptoms. Um, if their symptoms are mainly nasal symptoms, um, I have, there are certain medications I could use, nose sprays. There are um, uh, allergy syrups or pills that I can prescribe. Um, uh, these are antihistamines. Um, there are uh, steroid nose drops. Um, these are very low-dose steroids that we can... I use on, on, on children, mm-hmm. and they're very safe. Um, but um, if their if their symptoms are still persistent, then we can go to the next level, mm. and we would do some additional testing. We can test for uh, things that you know. What are they allergic to? You know, are they? Um, we can test for things like are they allergic to grass, uh, pet hair, like dogs, mm. um, dust mites, um, trees. I mean. Some of these tests are uh, are are um, very broad. You can you can order a whole panel, um, but I try to um, order things that are kind of specific to our particular region uh, where kids are mostly um, exposed to. And then also at the same time, I usually test for like some common food allergies because you never know, right? Let's right. say a, a child is allergic to milk. And they drink milk every day, right? And you think, oh, you're doing the right thing. You're giving them milk every day. Um, but then you're having a lot of symptoms of bloating or diarrhea. Mm-hmm. And now you need to sort out, well, okay, maybe it's a, it's a food and it's not an environmental allergen. Right. So there's, you know, there's some tests that we can do. Um, and then, you know, if, if, if that's inconclusive and we're not sure, um, and then we, we go to the next level and we send them to an allergist yeah. and, uh, and they can do additional testing. 
Yes. Yeah. A lot of people are saying that their kids are allergic to gluten. Do you have more and more patients like that? Yeah, I think that's, that's again, that's, that's the uh, Dr. Google that's um, <laughs> driving that, <laughs> that information. Um, uh, you know, there are, you know, there are tests that you can test for, for gluten sensitivity. I would, again, talk to their uh, doctor about that. And again, I think it's, 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 it's the latest fad. It's the latest diet. And, and as well, let, let me avoid gluten because it's going to cause, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, I think that they, they think it's going to cause inflammation in their gut. And they, I, yeah, I've read it all. I've read it all on the mm-hmm. internet. I mean, it's, it's outrageous stuff that people publish out there. And, um, it's not not science based. It's it's kind of conjecture, opinion, mm-hmm. and yeah. So I would encourage uh, if pa- patients are um, suspicious that maybe they have some sort of food allergy or gluten allergy, that they talk to their doctor yeah. and and uh, and get the appropriate testing and then confirm it. You know, and, and if it's not, then great. Then. You know, go have a pizza, go have your pasta, <laughs> <Yes>. you know. <laughs> you know, I got some great advice when I was having my son. My good friend and mentor is like, Lafern, if your son gets sick, don't keep running to the doctor every time something happens. Stop, don't go overboard. <laughs> Just stop, <laughs> relax. And, you know, take the steps. So I did that. And it's actually kind of, you know, relieving for me because, you know, it takes that pressure off of, oh, my gosh, something's wrong with my child, you know, and I'm not constantly running to the doctor. So let's say that he has, you know, an ear infection because that's something that happens often. Okay, so the first couple of times I put a heat compress on his ears and then it went away. And then Mm -hmm. the, like the second time it happened, I put the heat compress on and then he fell asleep and then he woke up and it was still hurting. So I was like, okay, let's go to the doctor to see if it's actual ear infection or, you know, or if it's, you know, see what happens. And, you know, most of the time it was maybe he had just water in his ear but right. it wasn't anything serious, right? Yeah, and and I and I think um, uh, is this is this your first child? Yes, here? yes. Okay, yeah. So I, I see this a lot with you know first time parents, and and uh, they're they're a little bit more nervous because they don't know what to expect. <laughs> I know, you know they, it's crazy. It's uh, like you have a child, <laughs> this life, you know. <laughs> but um, you know, thank God, thank God that uh, our um, our bodies have um, uh, good, healthy immune systems. You know, mm-hmm. both of have, uh, and, and we have a good, healthy diet that can support that. And um, and and most of the time, um, our body can fight off an infection on its own, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, if you have a cough and cold, yeah, like I said, you know, you know, week two weeks it goes away on its own. Why did it go away? Because your your immune system took care of it on its own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when is it appropriate to go in to see the doctor? Well, you know, when you're, well, I. I I don't tell parents don't come into the office. You're wasting my time. You know, I, I never tell them that. You know, that's <laughs> that's not nice. Right. Um, but I but I do tell them like, okay, well, um, if you're worried, then come on in or give us a call. You know, maybe we can address this on, on the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, um, if your um, if your child is having a fever, is acting differently, or you just have that gut feeling as a parent, like you know what, my kid just isn't acting right, just not acting the same, or not eating as well, or not 
eating the same, then you know, then that's time to bring bring your child into the office and and uh, and make sure that everything's okay. So yeah, I, I don't, you know, I don't blame you. You know, as a new parent, yeah, you're always, you know, you're worried about, uh, you know, what could happen, right? The, the unknown, and then you, and then you Google search, and then oh my God, you know, my kid has some, you know, obscure parasitic disease from, you know, uh, from South America. Right, right. But it's true. It's like me and my husband we were talking, and we we're like, you know. We were right. Like my my husband, his parents. Well, they have. There's five kids, and they didn't run to the doctor all the time. And they're all grown, healthy adults. And right. you know, same with my family. And it's like we didn't we didn't run to the doctor all the time, and we didn't know about gluten free products. And right. we are all healthy. Right, right. And I I think it's information overload. We just don't know what to sort out. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, as uh, as adults uh, nowadays, and yeah, we, we yeah we we knew like okay, well, you know, I could eat whatever, right? I mean, not a problem. Uh, but nowadays, with all this information on the internet, it confuses parents. Mm-hmm. There's a million books out there. There's stuff um, on um, on Wikipedia that someone wrote up, and 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 it scares the heck out of parents. So, yeah, that's uh that's hard to sort out, and. Um, but I, again, I, I would encourage, you know, calling your doctor and, and talking to him or her and, and kind of going over that information mm-hmm. um, and, and to, to try to sort it out, you know, because it, it is a lot. This is ESPN LA. I'm Laferne Cusack speaking with Dr. Desmond Liu. He's a pediatrician with Monarch Healthcare in Irvine. And we're talking about getting our kids healthy and getting checkups before the school season begins in a couple weeks. And that brings us to overloaded backpacks. What can overloaded backpacks do uh, for our kids? Oh, yeah. I, I, I started seeing this phenomenon about 10 years ago. Um, I, maybe it's because they don't allow kids to have uh, lockers in school. We used to have lockers when I was growing up. I, I don't know. I, I think they don't allow that anymore. So kids have to bring all their ba- um, their book home, and it could be like thirty pounds. Yeah. And and I'm starting to see kids come in with um, with back pain. You know, mm-hmm. that's typically uh, you know an adult problem, right? Right. You know, forty, fifty year olds are coming in for that. Um, but I tell I tell kids to kind of balance out the weight if they have if they really have to carry all that. They really have to balance it out. Now, um, the kids that are in um, uh, grade school or middle school, they have those backpacks that have rollers. Mm, yes. I encourage them to use that. Um, but then when they reach high school, it's not cool anymore, right? <laughs> to to have one of those rollers. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so I tell them, you know, you, you know, try to, you know, put some in your backpack, but hold some in your hand and, and don't wear the backpack on one, one shoulder. You know, the, the backpack has two straps, use both of them. Mm-hmm. You know, you got, you want to balance it out on, on your, on your shoulder. And then, and as soon as possible, take that backpack off and, and, and then put it down and you know, let your back rest. But yeah, that's a, that's just a real phenomenon, phenomenon that I've noticed in the past few years. Yeah. Yeah. And I have seen a lot of, a lot more kids using the roller backpacks, which is cool. Yep. 
Yep. Yeah. yeah, my kids, uh, you know, started using it in middle school and then high school. It's like, oh, it's not cool. I'm not gonna, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the image, Dad. Come on. <laughs> it, it, yeah, I know. It's like, why are you using this? Well, you know, I mean, because I'm just a nerdy dad. I don't know. Of Delu, do you have a lot of kids that come in with anxiety, maybe because of bullying or or back to school separation or anything like that? Yeah, so yeah, every now and then, yeah, I do have kids come in. They don't come in saying that I'm anxious. They don't. They don't tell you that. They 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 come in with other symptoms. Usually, they come in with um, stomach aches, or they're coming in with like, uh, any, can I have a note? Because I don't want to go to school. Yeah, and I'm having headaches, and um, and that kind of opens up that conversation. So. It's not necessarily a medical problem. It's kind of a, a what I call a psychosocial issue where kids are under stress at school and maybe somebody is bullying them. Maybe they're having a lot, maybe they don't like a teacher or uh, other classmates and they manifest that with like, you know what, I have a headache or mom, I don't feel well. And then, and they kind of grow from there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and after I write a note a couple of times, I, I start to question, like, wait a minute, what's going on here? You're not attending school. Um, and then we, um, then that, that kind of prompts me to have, uh, that conversation with the school. And I, and a few times I've actually called the, uh, the school to talk to, uh, their teacher or their, um, or their principal to kind of address, um, some of these problems. So, yeah, anxiety, that is a, um, a real problem with uh, kids. I don't see that too often in grade school, but I do start to see it in middle school and high school. And uh, I see I see more of that kind of that social bullying. Right. And then and, there- and, and certainly the, uh, the, the social media um, uh, doesn't help <laughs> because there's a lot of cyber bullying that happens nowadays, too. Yeah. And they're they're also comparing their lives to the posts that their friends have, you know. <laughs> oh, that's so true. You know, I mean, I was telling my wife the other day we were we were out traveling and um we were in Europe and and we were posting pictures on Facebook and and our friends would say, "Hey, great, great shot," you know. And I and then I I told one of them on, on the side. I said, "You know, it was hot and humid there. <laughs> and it was really miserable." <laughs> The shot looks great, didn't it? Right, right. <laughs> so it, everything looks good in the filter of the internet <laughs> and uh, and Instagram and Facebook, right? But you know the reality is not there, and and you know I think it's really important for parents to to tell their kids that is nobody posts. Like, hey, I don't feel well today, or I'm, I'm having trouble in school, or yeah. you know, kids don't like me. They they post pictures of the great things that they're that are happening, or that they they want you know everybody to believe. Right, exactly. Well, then also th- that that can lead to stress, and then me as a parent looking at other parents enrolling their kids in in extracurricular activities one after the other after the other and then it's like the kids get stressed out oh absolutely um i i live in irvine and um i don't know if you're familiar with the irvine uh area but uh the kids it's not enough that the kids um uh, go to very good schools the public schools are very good but the parents put them they're, they're in they're in after school um tutoring programs 
Mm-hmm. They're in um, music programs. They're in after-school sports. Um, you know, one of my one of my um, uh, kids' um, uh, friends while he was growing up, um, you know, in in, um, in grade school, they, they would play. They would just, you know, they lived a couple of blocks from each other. They would just walk over and play with each other. And and then when he got to middle school, his his friend just said, "No, I can't do this because I got I got violin practice." Or Mm-hmm. I oh and then he said, well how about afterwards he said, well no I got soccer practice after that I mean it's it's all programmed yeah and that puts a lot of stress on kids and I and I I just told my son I said I'm not going to do that to you you know I I want you to grow up well rounded and and uh, and enjoy you know I want you to enjoy the the music classes that you want you know if, you know he didn't want to play piano he wanted to play guitar okay well then let's go you know will give you guitar lessons. Right. You know, I'm not going to force that on them. But there are a lot of parents who think that's the way to do it. You know, I um, I want to I want my kid to excel in um, A, B, C, and D so that they can get that college scholarship. Yes. Which which is you know similarly in sports too, where parents push their kids um, in a particular sport, hoping that they'll get that college scholarship, which um, hopefully will get them into that that pro, mm-hmm. um, you know, a contract, uh, in the future. Yes. Um, and I, I've had, uh, uh, some teenage, um, uh, ball players come in who want to, they're, they, they want to work through their, their sports injuries. I mean, they want to, mm-hmm. they want to play through it. I mean, right. and, uh, that's, but that's the, dangerous. Yeah. And I, and I, I tell them straight up, like, if you, if you keep doing this, you're, you're, you're going to, uh, injure yourself to the point where you can't repair it with surgery oh. and you, you'll end your career um, even before it even starts. Right. I know. I had this one guy, his son was in seventh grade and he was prepping him for the NFL. And, you know, yep. to and I was like, what? He's in seventh grade. They're like, that's right. where it starts now. I'm like, wow, that's pretty amazing yeah they have to be um they have to be aware that their bodies are still developing their bones are not fully developed their the cartilage is not fully developed and, and to put all that additional stress on the ligaments and muscles is, is not healthy you know? well, well in addition to the mental stress that well, goes along with too well that's what i was asking how do you know when your child is ready for you know, sports when their body is ready to, you know, play soccer or, or whatever. How do you know? Well, I, I think in terms of um, just playing sports, I mean, as long as they're healthy, they're, they can go out and, and start playing, you know, team sports uh, in uh, in grade school. Uh, but when you get to that competitive level, prepping them for college and that sort of thing, I think you really have to ask uh, your child that question, you know, are, who, who are they doing it for? Are they doing it for you? Mm-hmm. Are, they, are they doing it for themselves? Are they me- so me- mentally? I, I, um, you gotta you gotta see if they're uh, mentally um, ready for it, psychologically ready for it. But some kids, you know, they'll they'll do it, you know, for their parents. You know, they think that oh, that's what mom and dad want, so I'm gonna keep doing it. Right. Um, but they're miserable. You know. What type of sports uh, injuries do you see uh, with kids coming into your office, Doctor Lee? Well, it's. A lot of it is um, re- repetitive sports, you know, injuries, you know, like kind of repetitive motion, okay. like say baseball players, right. uh, they're pitching over and over and they start having elbow, shoulder injuries, 
wrist injuries. Uh, the, the area that, that that I practice didn't have too much football players, but on occasion I do have some kids come in with um, uh, kind of concussive in, injuries mm. uh, after they play football, mm-hmm. uh, and that's that's been an area I think you know that's been in the news and talked about quite a bit about yeah. uh, these kind of these uh, high impact sports where where kids can uh, really uh, get hurt quite a bit. Yes, yeah, and what about uh, body bodybuilding? Yeah, I, I, I usually don't recommend uh, weightlifting um, um, before like 14 years of age. I, I think their uh, their muscles um, and their bones are still developing, so you, you may add too much stress to the joint and the ligament and, and, and cause injury. So um, I, I would discourage a parent to do that. You know, um, if if they if they really insist on it, I tell them just okay, low weights. Very low weight, you know. I'm talking like a few pounds, um, and and go with high repetition. Uh, don't think about like lifting heavy weights. Just it, your your body's not ready for that, you know. When you're when you're um, under uh, 14 years of age. Mm-hmm. What about the nutrition, like the the vitamins and maybe nutritional shakes that are out there? I think a lot of it is a uh, overblown hype. Um, I think if you have a, a good diet, that you really don't necessarily need to take those extra supplements, um, and you can kind of get in, uh, into taking. Oh, I'm going to take this uh, particular protein shake. I'm going to get bigger muscles and this and that. A lot of that is just it's, it's a lot of hype. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I would say uh, eat a good diet. You know. Lots of vegetables and proteins, um, you know, get a, enough uh, carbohydrates in, you know, for energy, um, and you should be fine. Um, I think uh, overusing uh, some of these protein shakes can actually put an additional stress on your kidneys, which can be unhealthy. Oh, right, right. And so people don't think about the side effects of these things where uh, they're, they're thinking, oh, I'm, if I take more, it's better. It, or taking more vitamins is better. Not necessarily true. You know, uh, if you take too much uh, cer- certain vitamins, you can uh, get vitamin toxicity. Like, get, you can take too much vitamin A or vitamin D, and that just gets absorbed and stored in your your body fat. Mm. Um, and then other uh, what we call water soluble vitamins, like vitamin C. Um, if you take too much of that. Um, you just end up peeing it out, so you're just wasting wasting money. So it's it's pretty rare in this country that you would have vitamin deficiency and you have to take supplements. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on occasion, you know, if you have a problem with the, with your gut um, or, and you're unable to absorb things properly, then yes, you do need additional vitamins. But if you have a normal gut and you're eating a healthy diet. It's rare that you need to supplement. So basically, get it from your food. Have a yes. a great, well balanced diet, and you can get all that you need, right? Absolutely, and and the vitamins in your food are better absorbed than the vitamins in the in the in the pill. Mm. So why would you, you know, you know, save your money? You know, right. <laughs> that's the bottom line. I tell patients that all the time. Yeah. Now. Little infants, you know, that's a little different. You know, if they're, you know, taking, um, if they're breastfeeding, they may need some supplement uh, there. Um, but uh, but when you're when you're eating foods and you're older, um, you don't really need you don't need that extra supplement. Yeah, yeah. 
That's some good advice. Now, I know you gave us a plethora of tips, Dr. Lou, to get our kids ready for this school year. Can you go over some of the things that you talked about or, or if you have any additional tips for parents out there? Well, listen, you know, right now it's, it's um, summertime, so it seems like uh, we have a bit of a heat wave here in uh, Southern California. Um, one of the tips is, uh, I, I really want uh, parents to be aware of is, is watch the heat. You know, make sure that their kids um, uh, are protected from the sun. Uh, they, uh, they are, they're well hydrated. Um, if they're out playing sports now, uh, make sure that they're drinking fluids every 20 minutes, even if they're not thirsty. Bring them back in from the field and say, hey, you know, drink, you know, uh, half a glass of water or a glass of water. And if they don't like water, then, okay, drink a sports drink, you know, and um, that'll replenish, replenish some of those uh, uh, electrolytes that they might be sweating out. Yes. Um, and if that encourages them to drink more, then go ahead and let, I'd rather they drink a sports drink um, uh, if they don't like to drink water, you know, mm-hmm. as a substitute. Yes. And just watch them so that if they're, if they're feeling tired, you know, get out of the heat. I mean, if it's over 95 degrees, be very careful. Oh, my it's, gosh. You know, we had a bit of a heat wave here in, uh, in Southern California. I think it's you know, in the 90s now. And, um, and so they have to be very careful. So maybe go out and play early in the morning or, or you know, in the late afternoon when things start to cool off. Mm-hmm. A couple of weeks ago when we had the first heat wave, me being the smart mom that I am, I said, I woke up with a great idea. Let's go to the farmer's market. Huh? <laughs> and it was so hot. My son oh. was just like, he started like, you know, whining. And my husband was like, stop whining. Da, da, da. And I go, Davy, Davy, what what's wrong? He goes, I'm tired. I'm, well, and he was complaining, and I was like, Oh my gosh, he needs some water right away. By the time we yeah. made it back to the car, his face was so red. I was yeah. I was scared. I was like putting ice on his chest, making him drink the water. That was just dumb of on my part. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's um, well, I'm glad you at least recognize the symptoms. You know, I mean, your your motherly instinct to realize, hey, the, I have a whiny kid here. There's something wrong, right? Yeah. Um, but but I tell you, you know, kids they have a higher metabolism than adults. So relatively speaking, they're just they're just generating more heat. Mm. All right. And and their um, uh, body surface area, they have more surface area to absorb heat. So all you know, those two things factored together uh, uh, can can uh, lead to heat stroke and dehydration. Oh my god! And, and then they don't they don't tell you, you know, they don't tell you like, oh, I'm thirsty. I mean, you know, right. kids just don't say that, right? Right. Um, they just whine or like, I don't feel well or you know that sort of thing. Right. So. So I'm glad you recognized it. I mean, you did the right thing. You you, you took them to a cool spot. You know, you cooled them down, and yeah. uh, and you avoided you know something serious. Yeah, and, and he popped back. That's what I I really want parents to to understand. Like, you got to watch the heat. Very critical. Well, thank you so much. Oh wait, I have one more question for you. So there is sure. an outbreak of salmonella salmonella poisoning in some of the kids' foods and this one particular snack my son eats all the time. So how do you know if you have salmonella poisoning and what can we do to, you know, remedy? Yeah, so salmonella, that's um, that's uh, a, a, a bacteria that can cause uh, serious diarrhea and, and it's very contagious. 
So if, mm-hmm. if the one person in the family gets it, it may pass it on to other people in the household. So um, undercooked foods, um, we usually hear about that in, you know, like undercooked, like chicken, that sort of thing. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I always encourage parents to make sure that they uh, don't eat, you know, when they cook, especially like I said, cook, cooking chicken, that, they, that there isn't any pink or redness. Mm-hmm. Um, in their food. Now, in this situation, I think it was a, was it a cracker, right? Yeah. It was uh, one of those, those crackers. Those fish um, crackers, right. Right, right. And that somehow got into the um, into the product uh, when, when they were uh, producing it. And that's uh, unfortunate. Um, mm-hmm. uh, how do you protect from that? That's, that's unpredictable. But, um, but it's several products, and it's not just that. It's like... several other products at other food chains and because whoever produced this one flower or something it got mixed in and and, then it and it gets sent out to all the different factories which now is spreading the germ so that's uh crazy yeah it's um it's kind of scary you know um how uh how quickly germs can pass on now if your child starts having things like diarrhea or vomiting, uh, a, a fever, bloody diarrhea, that's a real, um, that's really worrisome. Mm-hmm. Uh, take them into the um, doctor's office right away. Um, and, uh, and, and you want to make sure that they don't get dehydrated from, from uh, having too much diarrhea. Right. Uh, because they can't keep up with all the fluid loss. Right. Ugh. Well, thank you so much again, Dr. Desmond Liu. He's a pediatrician at Monarch Healthcare in Irvine. It's such a pleasure. Thanks for sharing all of your expertise with us. You're very welcome. I'm Laferne Cusack. For more information, please log on to ESPNLA.com, where you can download this show or other podcasts. The show is also available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is ESPN LA 710. ESPN LA 710.